Um, I didn't look like most of the people that I was surrounded by. Um, and so learning to be comfortable in an environment that wasn't familiar to me. Um, I mean, that was, that was an obstacle, but it was also an opportunity for growth. So I like to reframe obstacles as, as opportunities for growth. to the first ever podcast for A Seat at the Table. I am so, so, so excited um, to start this. This was a platform basically created for students and or incoming public health professionals to help them navigate through their journey um, through public health. So I'm so excited to start this podcast. Um, conversations with professionals and people in the field have been so helpful for people like, to me, like me. And I'm excited to have our very first um, guest, Dr. Sarah McCool. She is... Um, a professor and also a public health professional with several years in global health as well. She has a master's in health administration and public health and of course a doctor as well, hence the Dr. Sarah McCool. <laughs> um, she is quite possibly one of my favorite, favorite professors throughout the entire program and my undergrad. I learned so much from her. I think she may have gotten a little tired for me um, when I was in all her office hours. <laughs> But it was so, so exciting. I learned so much. So I'm so excited to have you. So how are you? Hi, Dr. Cole. Doing well, you know, holding up uh, during our current COVID pandemic. But, um, you know, it's, it's the public health emergency of our lifetimes. Uh, so it's a very good time to be talking about public health, I think, because I, I feel like there's going to be um, a lot of students who may be interested in either pursuing public health as a profession or incorporating it into their careers in, in some capacity. So that is so, so true. I, I think people are just now getting a grip on what public health means, not just in the um, like the doctors or the nurses, but understanding how public health affects our community as a whole. So I think definitely um, I 100% agree with that. And I realized in preparation, um, I was like, Dr. McCool is not only a pro educator, but she's also a professional, a public health professional. So what has that looked like for you? And just, you're one of the most essential, if not in the most essential roles during this time. So what does that really look like for you? Well, for me, um, most of it, uh, most of my role has been in education at the university. Uh, and, and I think for me, one of the things that I try to stress the most is uh, this idea of being a responsible global citizen. Uh, global citizenship is something that I try to impart on students. And I know that the university, Georgia State University, tries to impart as well. And so it's, it's really important for us to understand the impact that our actions or lack of actions can have on other people. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. pandemic has been the perfect opportunity to really exemplify that. So the importance of being res a responsible citizen, not just to protect yourself, but to protect others as well. Social wearing a mask, staying home unless um, necessary. And if you do decide, I, I think it's perfectly fine to engage in social activities, but making sure that you do wear a mask and, and properly distance. Yeah. yeah, I think we've definitely come into a new normal um, of what it looks like looks like to be social and have these activities, but we're transitioning from the everyone stay in your homes and your rooms, don't leave, <laughs> to a better understanding of I think what this virus looks like and how we can navigate through that. So definitely an unprecedented times, but still times that we I think I 
percent agree we can be global citizens and take care of each other. Um, so yes, yeah, so of course you're in public health. Um, how did you enter the world of public health and what did that look like? Complete accident. So uh, <laughs> when I was in undergrad, I wanted to go to law school or thought I wanted to go to law school. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't do a great job of preparing for the LSAT, which is the law school um, admissions test entrance exam that everybody has to take. And I think I was kind of uh, overestimated my abilities. And so I took the LSAT, got a horrible score. I probably was in a fetal position crying for a straight week. <laughs> no. uh, and uh, I remember my plans at the time were to retake the test. And I had this conversation with my dad and I'll never forget. And he said, uh, Sarah, Law school is a lot of time, a, a huge time investment and a huge monetary investment for something that I'm not really sure that you even think you want to do. Um, and that really hit home. And I thought, you know, maybe I don't actually want to go to law school. And so at the time I, I ended up, I had gotten a job uh, while I was finishing up my last year of undergrad with a local chemical dependency. Um, that's what they were called at the time. Now, you know, the appropriate term is, you know, substance use disorder clinics, but at the time they were called chemical dependency centers. And so I was a secretary there. And when I started working, I realized I really actually loved healthcare. And so I decided to get my master's in healthcare administration with the goal of one day being a hospital CEO. Wow. And so once I had graduated, with my undergraduate degree, I moved into um, starting to work towards hospital administration. So took different jobs in, in the hospital environment. And while I was getting my MHA, uh, the school that I was at had a joint MHA MPH program. And it was only an additional, I think 18 credit hours to get my MPH because a lot of the courses overlapped. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just didn't want to pay back my student loans yet. So I decided I was just going to get another degree. Why not? percent. I understand that. <laughs> so that was actually how I started in public health was just an accident. I didn't want to pay back my student loans yet. And it was just a way to my time. And then I realized I loved public health and uh, took a fateful trip to Haiti and decided I didn't even want to work in U.S. healthcare anymore in any capacity. Wow. So um, that's when I decided to go get my PhD in global health. And at that time, when I was done, I didn't want anything to do with academia. Um, never say never. That's one of the most important lessons <laughs> I learned because here I am at a university, but I'm in a role that allows me to still continue to work in public health to a certain degree, which is, or I should say global health, but global health and public health are you know, interchangeable. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to be able to still practice and um, teach, which is really what I love. And do some research, which is fun, but research that I'm interested in and not necessarily research that's needed to bring in grant money. Mm, I think, yeah, it sounds like you also were just looking for a lot of your own autonomy, like just having your own, I think it's very important just doing what you love and in your own right. Um, yep. Cause I think you found that perfect in between. I did. And I would do it all over again, missteps and all. <laughs> wow, I know it's so crazy. I think a lot of people have actually, a lot of people I think in the public health, public health field right now um, are just, are really have felt into it. Not, no one has necessarily been intentional. I think just now people are being intentional about um, having a public health undergrad. So I think a lot of the stories I hear are just like, you know, I was doing this and actually I was found, I found this and I realized I loved it. And I was like, <laughs> it's just so funny. It's so interesting to see um, how we're all 
navigating through that. That is so cool. Okay, so I think right now you were talking about um, just being in those fields. And I think you mentioned also being in the global health field as well and yep. being in academia. What I think a lot of students or just incoming professionals as a whole um, are trying to find the skills that are most important to them. Um, and they think that would brand them to be in the fields that they want to be in. And obviously it sounds like you've been very successful um, in your field so far. So I think it, it would be the perfect question to ask like, what skills do you think um, these incoming students or just professionals can kind of work on in Harbor to um, really brand themselves and be successful in their fields? So of course there's the, the hard skills that are needed to be successful in public health. So epidemiology, um, everybody's favorite biostatistics, uh, you know, just, just core foundational public health knowledge is important, but I think employers assume to some degree, everybody has those skills, you know, at varying levels. But if you're coming out with a degree in public health, it's just assume that you have a certain base level of knowledge and skills. Mm -hmm. We'll say knowledge, base level of knowledge in public health. And so like what skills can really differentiate you? Um, what's missing? And I've, I've read surveys and heard from employers that some of the missing skills that students don't have are some of those soft skills. So um, being able to actually communicate effectively, being able to, uh, then communication, whether in, um, over in, in writing, um, verbal communication, uh, cultural, I really hate the term cultural competency because it's very misunderstood, but cultural sensitivity, as I like to say. So can you work across different cultures? And cultures is, is not just what other people in other countries have. We have so many different cultures in the U.S. Yeah. So being able to effectively, not even, you don't have to be an expert in cultures, but you do have to know how to communicate with people effectively if you have different cultures yeah. um, and different beliefs and different values and how does that translate across settings. So it's really important for some of these soft skills that students need to have. And some of the best way to get those skills is to interact with as many different people as possible. Put yourselves in situations where you're uncomfortable, meaning if you're not comfortable public speaking, um, speaking in front of people, Put yourself in positions where you're going to have to speak in front of people, whether it's speaking up in class, whether it's taking the lead in a group project, which I know everybody loves, um, <laughs> or taking opportunities just to speak in front of people. So, Because yeah. I, I think eventually you're going to have to do those things anyway, so why not start in a field, in an arena where it's not as daunting, um, and maybe your uh, job position isn't like hanging on that <laughs> where it's just like you know just like maybe an undergrad and you're speaking I think Georgia State I would say did a very good job with that we had so many projects where we had to <laughs> where we had to speak where I'm at the point I'm like oh yeah I can just speak <laughs> I have no problem like you're doing now right I, I think definitely they um it's it was definitely a skill that I think in high during the time I was like oh, you're doing a lot of projects and then right now I'm like Oh, this is why we had a lot of projects. <laughs> so when you're comfortable, getting outside of your zone of comfort is when growth occurs. So mm -hmm. you know, it's really important. We don't do it to be mean. Some do, but um, <laughs> we don't generally do it to be mean. It's so that we can push push people um, yeah. to grow. I think because we need to. I agree. Um, but yeah. So in that kind of leading into the next one, what going into uncomfortable spaces. 
um, what obstacles do you think you've faced so far in your public health um, career? And like, is there anything you'd wish you'd give advice to yourself of, or just students right now, just like anything you wish could have told yourself as you're going through this? Yeah, I think obstacles for me, um, one of them, was just by virtue of my background and how I grew up. Um, I grew up in Iowa and Iowa is not known for being very diverse. And so that was an obstacle for me, just, you know, figuring things out and learning how to navigate in different cultures and with different people. And I certainly had missteps. Um, I was not perfect and, and I had plenty of missteps, but I also fortunately had a lot of opportunities and interaction with a lot of people who were patient with me and were willing to mentor and guide me mm. um, on what it looks like to effectively move in other cultures. And the best experience I had was living overseas for mm. multiple years and you know, being in cultures where I was certainly not in the majority. Yeah. I was very, very firmly in the minority. So being in places where um, my first language was not widely spoken <laughs> um, I didn't look like most of the people that I was surrounded by. Mm -hmm. um, and so learning to be comfortable in an environment that wasn't familiar to me. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that was, that was an obstacle, but it was also an opportunity for growth. So I like to reframe obstacles as, as opportunities for growth. Um, yeah. yeah, another big obstacle or opportunity for growth, I think at least earlier on, and to some degree still today has been my age. Um, and, yeah, and uh, I guess um, I'm starting to look older, but I haven't always, you know, people thinking that I'm a student when I'm actually a professor, um, my, you know, gender as well, um, female, you know, has, has sometimes presented an obstacle, uh, just because people don't, um, I have felt, I've, I've always been given respect, but, you know, there have been instances where, I think that maybe my age, especially when I was younger um, and my, my gender combined probably presented somewhat of an obstacle because people didn't always take me seriously. And to be fair, I still had a lot to learn and I still have a lot to learn today, right? I certainly don't know everything. I'm still learning as I go. Still, um, you were, I think even just talking to your, just the first conversations we've ever had, I think I've just been like, oh, she's, she knows exactly what she's talking about. So I think, when Thank I hear you. you have underestimated you, I'm like, how have you ever, I think we all, and this is not even just me. Like, I think just talking to my peers and classmates, we're like, oh, Dr. McCool. Yeah, she's, she's. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That may, it may be more of an obstacle. I think maybe when I'm among peers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that, that can sometimes be challenging, but I, I kind of have learned to just ignore a lot of it. Um, because what else can you do? I'm not out to necessarily prove myself. I'm just out to live my life and have fun while I go and enjoy the career that I've fallen into. And if people want to want to doubt my knowledge, that's fine. They can. Um, I'll keep going. Yeah, of course. I think that was my next thing. So I was like, how do you deal with those? But I guess the best thing is to really ignore it because ultimately there's, as long as you're not, interviewing my job responsibilities I guess that's really all you can do ultimately so that's horrible but <laughs> what a reality right and hopefully your generation is going to help change that so hopefully they say we're like 
the social, I heard somewhere that apparently we value social justice um, significantly more in like our workspaces. Oh, you do. A hundred percent, a hundred percent more than I've ever seen. I've seen um, your generation also values um, the importance of mental health mm -hmm. and having good mental health more than um, any other generation. I mean, before your generation, a mental health day was never a thing. No one had ever heard of that. Um, taking good care of yourself and putting, prioritizing self-care. Self-care was not a term that was ever used. So um, it's really becoming something that I'm really, I'm really proud of your generation and excited to see the change that occurs. Thanks. We're, we're trying. I think every time I hear that, I'm like, how do we not, how do we not value self-care <laughs> or mental health? It's, it's, right. it's heartbreaking, but I'm glad we're walking into new light. Um, so I think going back, I think you talked about just being in different spaces and living in another country, um, or actually in several other countries. Um, but I was hoping, could you speak a little bit more on that and like maybe your consultant position and what that kind of looked like day to day and what you did um, in those positions as well? Yeah, so I think it depended on the position. You know, sometimes it was um, remote and sometimes it was actually like in the field. Um, and so I don't think there was really a typical day. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I was in an office, you know, nine to five. Sometimes I was in an office and in the field. Uh, that's one of the things that I love about um, public and global health is that there really is no typical day, right? I've worked in positions before where I knew what to expect. Like when I was working in a hospital and in the position that I was in, I was doing the exact same thing every single day and it bored the hell out of me. Yeah. I couldn't wait to get out of the office. I could not wait to leave. And yeah. And I'm now in, in a position and, and in a career where I don't want to leave the office because one, I have so much work to do but I actually really love it. I really, really love it. I don't love, I can't, it would be a lie if I said I loved absolutely everything about it, but I would say I love between 80 to 90% of what I'm doing on a regular basis, which is so much more than I think a lot of people can say. And so I consider myself really fortunate um, that, you know, it, it really just depends on the day. And, it, and I think it also depends on the position uh, and at what level you're at. I think maybe sometimes if you're in a lower level position, your day-to-day -day activities might look more similar sometimes just because maybe you're in a support position. Yeah. But I think as you gain more experience and as you gain more knowledge and potentially more education, you may be in a position where you're just kind of doing all of the things all of the time. <laughs> no, yeah. Which can be stressful, but it can be really fun. I was about to say, I think it's, it's stressful, but I think it's incredibly rewarding. Um, I personally, I cannot wait to get in those positions where I'm, going crazy but love that I'm going crazy if that makes sense. and you will I know you will I know you you will absolutely hopefully hopefully um but yeah that is I think always want to be have, that has always been one of the coolest things about you to me <laughs> like, she hasn't mentioned but guys she's lived so many places <laughs> I've lived in a few I've lived in a few so the U.S. multiple places mm -hmm. in the U.S. some places I've liked much more than others um, but I won't go on record as saying which places I didn't like. Um, but for the record, I will say I love Atlanta. I was about to say with Atlanta at the top, of course. Of, of course, otherwise I wouldn't still be here. Trust me on that one. I would have been gone a long time ago. 
Um, but yeah, so the US, Haiti, Singapore, and Indonesia. Just, it's, I think I love it. <laughs> I love it too. I miss living overseas, but it's funny because when you're overseas, it's like when you're not, when you've had the opportunity to live overseas um, and you come back to your home, you miss living overseas. But then when you're overseas, you miss home at the same time. So yeah, it's like, there's no, yeah, there's really no middle ground. Yeah. But I think it's nice. I am a strong believer in that absence. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. It so absolutely does. I think if anything, you love both places because you're always leaving. That's yeah. me. <laughs> and I think that's perfect. You said it so well. It's my current theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think talking about even going back to how we said there is no such thing as mental health days um, before. And there is no, and I think our generation values social justice and just general and how the workforce is just consistently changing. Um, how do you think the public health field has changed maybe in the last five years? Um, and how do you think maybe students can go about um, putting themselves in positions to be, um, to get careers and how to just navigate through that as well? So I think one of the most important things that students probably don't realize but that they should consider is that the bachelor's in public health so if you're if you're getting a bachelor's in public health that did not even exist in in large in the quantities that we see it now mm -hmm. until very recently so when i was getting my mph uh, back in when did i finish i finished in 2000 i think 2011 was when i graduated with my mph oh, wow. um, that the MPH was still the entry degree into the public wow. health field. Wow. So there really was no such thing in, in the quantities that we see now, right? The number of programs that we see now is the bachelor's in public health. So one of the great things about that is that you had people coming in with so many different backgrounds into the MPH program. So like me, I have my undergraduate degree in business. Um, you had people with backgrounds in sociology, in anthropology, in communication, in the hard sciences, um, I mean, there's so many different disciplines that that came into public health that I think that the the um, professional field is still catching up to that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to change certainly, but I, I think that the professional um, field in at large is still catching up to the fact that there is such a thing as a bachelor's in public health and it's no longer the MPH that is the entry degree anymore. And I'm sure, I'm sure that when you were doing your job search, you probably found that to be a reality, right? That a lot of times they wanted an MPH, yes. right? Like, all the stuff. I mean, maybe not a master's level, but guys, I swear I know the stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so the professional field is still catching up to that. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't want students to necessarily be frustrated, but, but maybe accept that, you know, at least for the first couple of years, you may have to take a position that it's at a level that you weren't necessarily expecting. Yeah. Um, and that's because the field of public health has not fully caught up to the fact that there is a bachelor's in public health. Now, again, I expect that to change, but um, don't, don't let it deter you because, you know, we all had to earn our time. Mm -hmm. We all had to earn our stripes, right? We had to start maybe in positions that, that weren't as exciting, mm -hmm. but, um, the more exposure you have, the better. Uh, it's just as important to know what you don't want to do as it is to know what you do want to do. So those positions that maybe you thought you wanted to do, you start doing them and you realize, I actually hate this. Um, yeah. That's an important thing to know too. 
Um, I've been in that position where I was doing something I thought I was going to like doing and I, I didn't like it at all. And it changed my path. And then I've managed to get to where I'm at now. Yeah. So it's a, it was a blessing, even though I didn't think so at the time. <laughs> I certainly didn't think so at the time. But I think that's the hardest. I talk to my mom all the time. I think right now, in my opinion, my humble opinion, I think this um, phase of life can be one of the most difficult, yeah. not the most, but one of the, because I think nothing is, you don't, you just don't know what the future looks like. Right. And I know that's um, makes sense in every step of life, but I think right now where um, we're navigating and trying to get into positions that will kind of place us into places where we want to go, mm-hmm. it gets a little confusing. Um, it gets yes. confusing and then it gets um, stressful because um, you're hoping you get into positions that will put you in the next position. But if you don't get into that position, then what does that look like? What else can you go to? Um, you know I- what's going to happen though? I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. Because so, <laughs> I was in the same position, right? I used to just want so badly like oh i hope i get this position and you take you apply and you take it and then maybe it's not what you want but you stay there because you don't know what else you can get you you go from a position of not really sure where you're going and just hoping and hanging on and hoping that you somehow get to where you want to go there's going to be this shift and you're not going to notice when it happens but you're going to look back and realize that it happened that you go from a position of just hoping to you get to navigate where you're going. You're going to be in a position where you can navigate where you're going. And like I said, you're not going to notice when the shift happens, but it's going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. And it happens with time. Yeah. But you're going to look back and you're going to say, Dr. McCool was right. She told me. I hope she so. was right. I'm re- I'm you right, right. Send, right me, on, send me an email when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> like Dr. McCool, you would not believe <laughs> I'm navigating everything now. You will get to that position, I promise you. Yeah, that's the, that's the hope. I think definitely, um, I mean, in any field, of course, it can be confusing, but I think because public health can be so broad, yeah. how you mentioned how um, um, a lot of the, just the general workforce is catching up to what a bachelor's means um, and yep. the weight that holds and what weight that holds, they're also trying to navigate it as well, so fingers crossed um <laughs> that we all figure it out soon um because i just i i know just talking to my friends and just like this is a lot of people can get really confusing but people like you give us hope um <laughs> there's hope i promise if dr mccool did it then we can most definitely um get there as well yeah you can. um i'm trying to think you're so i think working in both fields you've been in academia well you are in academia um and you've been in the corporate world ish do you have the corporate world corporate health? it still is right? yeah i have i used to be a pharmaceutical sales rep in a past life so oh, wow. i've been i've been in the corporate world i've been in the nonprofit world i've been in the global health world i've been in a lot of health worlds all a little bit different but all overlapping to some degree it's and i think that's i always tell people because they're like oh People think public health and they think CDC immediately off the bat. It's so funny to me. I'm, but I, I mean, it makes sense, you know? So, cause you think public health and you think, okay, what's the greatest public health organization, CDC? <laughs> There's a lot more than just the CDC. Right, right. So I think you're the perfect example or one of the perfect examples, maybe the epitome of just showing that there's so much more. Um, so just, I think being in those positions, um, 
what do you think, I think, I think for a main thing for me is just also going and navigating, how do you think students can brand themselves? Um, listen, let me know if I need to explain this a little more, but I think just branding ourselves and, um, and reaching out and being the positions we want to be in. I think you've been in a lot of positions and you've been successful in those positions. So how do you think you've gotten there and have you branded yourself, um, maybe put your best foot forward to get you to the successful level that you're at today? Um, I think, I think for me, and this is just personal to me, of course, um, for me, it was about taking advantage of every single opportunity that was out there. Um, whether or not the opportunity took advantage of me or did not take advantage of me. <laughs> yeah. Meaning whether or not I got that position that I applied for or I didn't. Um, yeah. The worst, I think that students, because they are still um, building their confidence and kind of getting their feet wet, there can be a lot of trepidation um, and a lot of nervousness around like, do I even apply for this position? Do I even talk to this person? And I always say, absolutely go for it. Because when you apply for a position, what is the worst thing that's gonna happen? They're gonna yeah. say no. And guess what? It's okay. The yeah. more times you hear no, the more you just get over it. Um, you know, and, and so what happens if they say yes? I'll tell you a story. I can't remember if I had told you this story when um, you were in one of my classes, but I remember telling a story at some point. I was about, oh, I think I was 25, 26. I was young um, compared to what I am now, right? Yeah. Um, and I had applied for some vice president position at this company. Like, I don't even know what I was thinking. But I remember reading the job description and being like, I can do that. I can do that. And I applied. I got a phone call oh from one of the VPs. And he said, you know, I really just want to meet you. Just come in and, and let's chat. And I was like, wow. okay. So I went in and he said, I'm just being 100% honest with you. I just wanted to meet the person who had the balls to apply for this position oh, no. um, at what is what I, you know, cause you don't put your name on, on the application, but from looking at your education, like they can figure out like probably right. what your approximate ages. And he said, you know, you're not qualified for this, but call me in five years. He said, because I will have a position for you in five years. Wow. And um, wow. I said, okay. And at that point I was, I had, you know, five years, I had well moved on. Like, I don't think I was even living in the state, but <laughs> he kept my resume and he had said, call me in five years um, because he liked my tenacity. So. Wow. Just an example of. That's you know, I didn't get the job, but I made a connection and yeah. he was impressed with the grit that I had. So yeah, I think that is, that's definitely a story I'm putting lock and key in my head because that's, I think even how you're saying, especially women, we look at positions and we say, mm, I, I think it's so interesting. I think self-doubt is one of the most interesting things to me because it's so fascinating how we can have a resume that says we've done such and such and we've accomplished such and such but we look at a position and we say mm, can't do it I, it's it's exactly. so interesting and i think it's so um debilitating like it just it stops us as from so many positions and so many um opportunities that we can take on so i think a story like that's that, actually that's gonna be a story i'm gonna take on 
<laughs> and that's actually one of the the theories behind i mean there's there's other reasons as well but one of the theories behind the gender pay gap is that women don't negotiate as often as men in their salary mm -hmm. and i am the perfect testament to that wow i and I, I wish I had been better at it, but I think it's, it's, you know, I'm very open about my missteps and about my faults and what I wish I would have done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, I am not one who was ever, who ever negotiated my salary. Wow. Um, and I, I wish it's something that I would have done in the past. Um, yeah. Certainly do it now, but in the past, <laughs> I never did. Yeah, so. I think, and that's another, but I think is sometimes we just don't know and I, you know, the thing is, I guess guys don't know either, but somehow they do it. They anyway. don't know either, but somehow they do it, right? So, and um, I, you know, it's, even as I was speaking, I was like, I'm somehow still doubting again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so weird, but I guess I think my, so my mom worked, works in HR. So she is the greatest advocate. She's like, negotiate your salary. Yeah. What, what are they making and what can they give you? And, and I'm like, and she's like, always just shoot for stars because the worst they can say is no. And I'm like, huh? But what if they just say no and forever? <laughs> well, here's the thing. If they've made you the offer, they already want you. Mm. Right? Yeah. Already want you. Yeah. So as long as your request is not super unreasonable, like you're asking for 50000 more than what they're offering. Um, <laughs> right. I think, people, I think people forget that. And that's something that I never remembered is that if they've made you the offer, they already want you. Yeah. So yeah. negotiate a little bit couple thousand right. you know, the worst they can do is say no at that point but they're most likely not going to rescind the entire position if it's reasonable mm -hmm. right so i think yeah and that's i think a lot of people just don't know that um we don't know we can we don't know how to and we don't know what will happen if we do or don't um yep. <laughs> so that's definitely um something that we definitely need to take away but leading into i think um this could just be our wrap it up i think you talked about meeting the VP. And I think that is, although that is an accidental story, I think it's definitely a testament to networking and how that works and how the impact of knowing people in those positions can lead you into and just positions in the future. So how do you think um, a student or just an income professional can network? And do you have any advice for networking during this time, especially <laughs> since- Networking this time is probably really difficult. Um, and I don't know if I have any great, you know, groundbreaking advice on how to network during COVID because I'm probably still trying to figure that out myself. But I will say as a general rule, the best time to network is when you don't need anything. Wow. Wow. So okay. network- when you don't need anything and then when you do need something you have that network there wow. that knows you mm -hmm. that has known you from the time you didn't need anything so that when you do need something you've already got a network built in because networking generally doesn't work out when you meet someone and you need a job when you yeah. first meet them right that's so true <laughs> so the best time to network is when you don't need something that's, I've never heard it put like that, but that's, I think, so true. Because I think it's not as, um, I don't want to use the words desperate, but it's not as, you know, desperate of just like the, hi, how are you? Like, right. I know you're in this position and I need a job. Do you know anyone? Like, it's so awkward. <laughs> yep. Yep. And no one wants to outright, outrightly ask um, for a position. 
um, which I think is just, it's, it's the most awkward thing. Networking has always been such a strange thing for me. Um, it is, but you know what? It's a lifelong endeavor. I still network. Yeah. So, and, and, I'm, and I'm in a position where I'm not looking for anything, but I still network just because it's fun and you meet really interesting people and you never know what it could lead to down the line. It's so true. That's 100% true. Wow. Well, thank you so much. You've been more than, that's what I'm saying. Every time I talk to you, I'm just, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, I was just telling, I was not telling, I was like, oh, I'm talking to Dr. McCool today. <laughs> I, was just, I was so excited. Um, but yes, so anything at all, do you think any lasting impressions or anything that you think you just want to leave off or if you told your younger self or want to kind of just encourage um, public health professionals during now, please feel free to go ahead and just say it. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say that I, I don't think I've said yet is that uh, don't let, uh, if, if plans and expectations don't work out, please don't take that as a sign that life is over. Please don't take it as a sign that um, you picked the wrong path because every time a door has closed for me, there was a reason. Mm. Um, and if those doors had not closed, like I think back, what if I had aced the LSAT and gone to law school? Yeah. I wouldn't be happy doing what I'm doing. Exactly. I wouldn't be happy, I don't think, if I had decided to go to law school and be a lawyer. Um, wow. So that was one of my first big, like, okay, plans didn't work out. And I thought, you know, things were over. But really, the reality was things were just beginning for me. Wow. Oh, wow. What a testament. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. is definitely another thing I need to put away because I think it, it can get, especially now, I've heard so many, so many things have happened, especially now offers taking away, rescinded, people being fired. So I think that was definitely something a lot of people needed to hear, especially during this time. So yeah. it's a difficult time. Um, keep the faith. I know easier said than done. Trust me. I know easier said than done, mm -hmm. but, um, keep pushing, you know, keep pushing forward. And when those doors close, just keep pushing and um, things, things work out. Yeah. In the end, they really do. It's so cliche and I hate cliches more than anyone, but. <laughs> sometimes they're true. I know. I sometimes they are true. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess that's why they're cliche. Cause everyone always says it. So, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, Dr. McCool. You've been as always the most resourceful, most just, greatest advice giving <laughs> advisor and I thank you for allowing me to even just I think another thing I just connecting and continue to keep up this relationship even past my graduation I'm so 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 grateful um, that you even still want to be <laughs> talking to me or just want to be involved it's I adore you Danielle so um, <laughs> it is my pleasure thank you <laughs> it's nice to hear one of my favorites Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm going to carry that as a sign. <laughs> Everyone, she said I'm her favorite, just letting you guys know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, hope you have a fantastic day. Um, <laughs> you you. Enjoy your weekend. You too, you too, and have a great, great time. Yeah, stay safe. You too. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Oh. Stop recording.